Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is brought to you by Brewman version 7, the brand new web-based version of the UK's number one brewery management software used by over 250 breweries. Brewman version 7 has been completely rebuilt to combine the features and functions that have been developed alongside their brewery customers for 20 years with new modern interfaces and intuitive controls that can be accessed through your browser on any device. To find out more, visit the website at premiersystems.com. That's premiersystems.com. I'm Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hop Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hop Forward is a weekly podcast dedicated to the craft beer industry, featuring interviews, discussions, and stories from the whole brewing supply chain from grain to glass. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a beer, and get ready to hop forward in the brewing and beer business. Well, happy Cask Ale Week, listeners and beer buddies and brewers and just about anyone who's tuned into this podcast. Yes, it's Cask Ale Week in the UK, so we're celebrating everything about this amazing beer. Now, I feel a little bit guilty that I'm not actually sat in a pub beer garden right now on this very nice, sunny September afternoon to record my musings about cask beer over a pint of. That is because I am running the Sheffield Half Marathon for the first time since 2019. For obvious reasons, it wasn't on last year. And this Sunday, I want to be in tip-top condition. So I'm having a week off of drinking beer, which is quite sad because it would be nice, as I said, to have a cast beer as I do this. So as they say in the world of business, you fake it till you make it or see it till you beer. Because of the wonders of modern technology, I can clip my fingers and magically be in the pub environment without actually being in the pub. You ready? <laughs> I can't even clip my fingers. What's wrong with me? Let's just sprinkle some cast magic on instead. not that kind of pub. I'm not going to those kind of places. Let's try again. Hang on, hang on, stop. Hang on, hang on. Okay. We're not in America, unless you're listening to this in America, in which case you are in America. We're talking about British cast beer. Okay. It needs to be somewhere where you can hear yourself think. You can have a nice casual conversation or if you're by yourself, read a book. And have a nice thirst quenching pint of citrusy cask beer. Okay, third time lucky. Here we go. Yeah, now we're talking. That's my kind of vibe. We're talking Hallamshire House on a Thursday night with a pint of Jaipur. I haven't been to the Hampshire house for a long time for my sins and I severely, severely miss it. Particularly when you can get Jaipur on cask in a venue like that. There are so many great cask beers out there. I'm a big lover of cask beer. I always have been. It's always had a special place in my heart. From the first time I encountered it in a pub in Barnsley where my band were playing, I was 17 
and they had a pint of Barnsley Bitter on the bar. And I remember seeing it thinking, oh my word, they, they make beer in Barnsley, whoever they are. Like, wow, that this is just so far out. I was so used to drinking Tetley Smooth Flow and Worthington's and Boddington's and John Smith's, all these keg bitters, all of a sudden to have this, this real beer just ignited my senses. I had a friend called Drew who used to run a music and comedy magazine in Barnsley called Ming Mong Magazine, who took me to my first ever beer festival at Barnsley College in the great hall they have there. It sounds greater than it actually is. <laughs> um, and I'm telling you, the beers there, at the time at least, they, they tasted great. Retrospectively, I'm not so sure, but I remember being as pissed as a fart by the time I left that afternoon. Um, having tried all these different beers. And my love of cast beer only grew when I discovered Moonshine from Sheffield's Aberdale Brewery in Absolution. These two absolutely outstanding beers from this local brewery to me. And my love affair with cast beer has endured ever since. And it reached levels earlier this year where I miss cast beer so much because pubs weren't open that I installed my own Hampel in my cellar and brewed a beer specifically to put into cask. It's pretty sad actually that statistics show that cask beer sales have been in decline since around 2015. And yeah, there's been a few sort of peaks and troughs, you know, the graph looks like it goes slightly up, but there's no denying that since COVID-19, cask beer sales have been astronomically down. And now pubs are back open again. You'd expect cask beer to have a resurgence, like, oh yeah, we've all missed pubs, we all missed cask beer, let's go back. And don't get me wrong, there are people out there that are really championing cask beer and are really glad it's back. I'm, I'm definitely one of those people. I can't get enough of the stuff. But something I'm also seeing just through people I'm working with, and even my own experiences when I've put a few beers into cask for my brewery, is that if I'm trying to sell cask to a bar, they seem a bit more tentative now to take it in case they can't get the throughput they want. So they're, they're more willing to take keg beer. And that makes you wonder what the future of cask beer really is. I might just be pessimistic. My glass is definitely more half empty than it is half full because I drank it. Terrible jokes. Come on, I'm a dad now. So it's dad jokes, isn't it, all the way? I've been a dad for 11 years, so I've got no excuses by now. They should have got worse to joke, surely. Where was I? That's that's like being in the pub, isn't it? You're losing your train of thought. I mean, I've been halfway through my pint of imaginary chai, but, but I don't want us to lose cast beer. And I think it's really important that, as you'll hear in today's discussion I had with Francis Brace, who's working with Castmark to help promote Cast Beer Week, that it's really important that we educate consumers on cast beer. We educate consumers on why cast beer is so important for pubs and the local community. And we look at how we shouldn't treat cast beer as a commodity item, but it's a specialist item. Francis has got some real insight and opinions into the mindsets we should maybe adopt when it comes to pricing cask beer. And as much as I love keg beer and cans and beer that's nice and fizzy and cold, IPAs, New England IPAs, milkshake IPA, maybe not. There's just something about cask beer that to me is quite magical and quite exciting and call me old fashioned and call me a twig merchant, but I love best bitters. 
and just straight up stouts. Not a donut or frosting or toffee or caramel in sight. You know, just a straight up 5% stout. No nonsense. Styles that really lend themselves to being pulled through a beer engine and walking back to your table with that nice foamy head and that cool pint glass in your hand, just the weight of it in your hand as you sit down and take that first sip and the way that it tingles on your tongue. And you could just drink several beers either with good company or by yourself with a book and still leave without feeling like you've got to crawl home with the world spinning around you. I'm not sure that Caspier is an endangered species, but it's definitely a wounded beast. And I think there are many flavours that lend themselves to Caspier. The flavour of East Cape Goldings, of Fuggles, British varieties of barley, ale yeast that bring an estuary fruity quality to them. So now that my virtual pint glass is empty because I'm running the half marathon, as I said, I'm really looking forward to celebrating on Sunday at the end of that race with a nice pint of cask ale down my local pub. Just before we get into this week's discussion with Francis, a good friend of mine and a brewery that I work with closely called Lincoln Green Brewing Company based in Nottingham are huge advocates and champions of cask beer. And Anthony, who's the owner of the brewery, has a love of cask beer that is yet to be rivaled. And Lincoln Green run a cask beer course to help pubs serve the perfect pint and keep cask beer in excellent condition. So here's Anthony sharing a little bit about that course and how you can get involved. I'm Anthony Hughes from Lincoln Green Brewery in Hucknall. I think everybody would agree in the brewing industry that Cascale was dealt a hammer blow during the pandemic, and there are many publicans that are still out there that are reluctant to put it on the bar. With this in mind, uh, we launched a monthly training session, which is free to all publicans in who can actually get to our brewery, uh, to come and learn a little bit more about Cask. There are three sections to the training session. First part is all about cask quality. Uh, so we provide some very helpful hints and tips about getting the most out of cask ale. Second section is then around the commercials of cask in terms of how you can actually promote it more effectively and make more money from it. And then the third part is all about food pairing with cask ales as well. Now, we've decided to offer this training to any publican or any member of staff that wants to come and find out more about cask beer. Uh, and we offer it completely for free because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that our products are served in the best possible condition. Um, and I think it's it's more of the kind of thing that people in the industry need to be doing to help the cask to recover and to also help publicans to get the confidence back to put it back on the bar. Thanks, Anthony. So if you're interested in doing that in learning more about cellar management, cask conditioning, cask dispense systems and the best cellar practice for keeping cask and then increasing your profitability on cask beer and trade and overall pub growth, then contact Anthony at Lincoln Green Brewing Company by emailing contact at lincolngreenbrewing.co.uk. That's contact at lincolngreenbrewing.co.uk. They've got dates coming up on Thursday, the 30th of September, if you're quick, and then Thursday, the 28th of October and Thursday, the 25th of November. So that's contact at lincolngreenbrewing.co.uk and make sure that you get involved. Right. So before we tuck in to a pint-sized 
cask ale edition of the hot forward podcast here's how you can find out more about hot forward and get involved if you're a fan of hot forward please subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher or wherever it is that you tune in leave us a review because that helps other brewing and beer professionals find us follow us on all the socials at hot forward beers and check out our website hotforward.beer for more ways to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. Finally, make sure you visit our sponsors this week. Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is brought to you by Brewman version 7, the brand new web-based version of the UK's number one brewery management software used by over 250 breweries. Brewman version 7 has been completely rebuilt to combine the features and functions that have been developed alongside their brewery customers for 20 years with new modern interfaces and intuitive controls that can be accessed through your browser on any device. To find out more, visit the website at premiersystems.com. That's premiersystems.com. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Francis Brace to talk about cast beer and cast beer week and all kinds of other beer related things. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you. So can you tell the listeners who you are, what you do and how you got into the beer business? Okay, so um, I've been in the uh, beer and pub industry for about 25 years. Um, during that time, um, as well, I started off at Green King, uh, where I was there for about 16 years and um, headed up comms, corporate communications, events, uh, sponsorship, marketing, yeah, all sorts of things right across the board and when I first started there I was um, probably one of only a handful of of women at the company um, and uh, probably one of only two women who actually wore trousers uh, every, there seemed to be everybody else seemed to be in tin, twin suits and and were secretaries um, though that's not entirely right but it's nearly you know it's near mm. near enough there um, so it was incredibly old-fashioned when I first joined um, and and, um, and then during the time I was there, it evolved massively and became huge. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, it was very, very exciting times, particularly for anyone in communications uh, because of all the challenges going on. And people will know them because um, not everybody loves Green King and, um, and, and it, that presented its own challenges. Um, and and so, so within that, I could see both the side of the people who were great critics, but also see within the company, there were some amazing people doing some really good jobs and who were passionate about what they did, which included many of the brewers and um, and, and, and also quality controls were fantastic. So it was there where I learned how to do beer tasting. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, that was probably better um, and more thorough than anything I've seen in the industry since. And I've been very exposed um, to, to uh, all the sort of procedures in beer tasting since then. Um, and, uh, and then after that, um, so 10 years ago, I left the company and started my own 
PR and marketing uh, sort of setup working. Oh, I've been a director at Caskmark as well. Um, so um, I, I then set up and did a lot of work for Caskmark and still do uh, with uh, um, Cask Ale Week and various other things. The Cask Report, I've been really uh, sort of involved with that and supportive of everything going on. Um, and then I've been doing, what else have I done? Oh, I work um, uh, with in the malting industry as well, um, particularly with Chris Malt. Um, and um, and also I've gone back right through to supporting uh, the growers of Maris, Maris Otter and, and so right through the supply chain. Um, and I work a bit with the, um, uh, I've been uh, supported, particularly really involved with the setup of um, Norwich City of Ale, um, and, and, um, which was started by um, two, two amazing people, a licensee, uh, Phil Cutter, and uh, a Dawn leader. Um, and then in the later years, I, I've sort of, taken, sort of been the third person in helping with the organisation of that. Um, and so, they, uh, yeah, do a bit of work in the food um, um, ingredient industry as well with malted ingredients, which is actually really relates in very nicely with all of this. So that's my background, and I'm now doing so Cask Ale Week. So part of coming on to this podcast was to say it's Cask Ale Week and go out to the pub and make sure you support it. But all this time, I felt like Cask Ale has been at the centre of what I've been doing. Wow, amazing, brilliant! Oh, that's quite a resume <laughs> you've got there. Just to tie in with cask beer and and um, pubs and consuming, you know, cask versus keg and all the rest of it in general. I guess that um, sort of does tie in nicely with a question I had about um, how people value cask beer versus keg beer, um, because there's a real drive towards, um, I'll have to refer to it as craft keg. So I know traditionally speaking, people, when they think of keg, you know, some people's mind goes back to, you know, what is whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and all those kind of keg beers. But there are so many great keg beers out there now. Um, yeah. You know, d- driven by brands such as Brewdog and 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 other large um, yeah. craft brewers, where it's all about it seems to be yeah. about this this drive of new wave companies um, that are trying to b- build their business empires. Whereas I think a lot of cask beer, because it's a for a brewer, I'm a brewer myself, like the, the lowest entry level point of entry for a brewer packaging a beer is in a cask. <laughs> You know, so there are so many cask brews out there, but it's so, it's so hard to make a living from just selling cask beer to pubs alone. So I guess in 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 to put the following questions in context of, of all that, um, I, I guess, can you tell us about Cask Beer Week and why you think it's important? Yeah, Cask Ale Week. Even. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay, let well, me just no, rephrase that. Sorry. Um, but you're right. You're right. I mean, it actually, it is about beer. But it is, yeah. But, but it's just, it's, it, but, yeah, but it, they, they call it Cask Ale Week. Um, so this was started a long time ago. And actually, I don't know the exact year because I know I was involved with it even when I was at Green King. So it's more than 10 years old. Um, and um, uh, um, and it basically, it's, it's, it was set up to 
to try to bring the industry together to support a category. So the category being car scale. And it was partly um, set up, um, as was Castmark originally, um, because the category was in decline and um, uh, and, and volumes of, of car uh, scale were, were, were going down fairly quickly, even, you know, 10, 15 years ago, especially 10, 15 years ago. Yep. Um, and that decline hasn't really halted. I think there was one year when it has. Um, what's happened, though, of course, has been huge fragmentation since the the the, the, um, uh, the, the sort of upcoming cra- um, uh, craft brewers have been on the scene. Um, uh, so the massive change uh, with um, uh, with with uh, far more suppliers of much more interesting beers um, um, over the past 10, 15 years. Um, and um, and what what has been so joyous is been seeing not just that. Um, uh, that those brewers have come up, but actually they've forced the larger brewers to actually to completely rethink what they're doing and not only sell, you know, three main brands plus, you know, one or two seasonals if you want, but but really look at their own skills. And many of them have introduced microbreweries and all that into their plants. And, and, and some of them have done some very interesting and great beers as a result. You know, look across St. Austell, Green King, yeah. uh, Marston's shops, you know, there's there's so many of the larger brewers who have actually gone, oh, crikey, we really have to do some more interesting stuff to be able to compete in a market that now wants uh, much more crafted, much more interesting, much more authentic um, uh, beers. So, so, um, so yes, yeah, so there, there's been some really great stuff. And also there's been the lovely brewers of the kind of Harvey's, Black Sheep, all of that kind of size, who, who have always consistently produced interesting uh, kind of really good quality beers um, and who are, who are continuing to do that um, and also branching out themselves and, uh, and, and kind of increasing their their uh, you know their range and giving more leeway to their brewers so mm. you know, um, so so I think um, the, the 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 idea was then to bring all of these brewers together and to say let's let's try and protect this very special category um, now I mean there are lots of arguments about about this and you'll have read about loads of them and they've been in the uh, the, the cast report and all the rest uh, and eloquently argued by uh, particularly Pete Brown but many others who've talked about craft versus cask and actually whether it is actually not craft versus cask but craft keg and craft cask mm. so to me cask is craft yeah cask totally. egg- uh, almost inevitably. I mean, I'm sure that there are one or two that may not be very crafted, but the vast majority of cast beers are craft. And actually what is disappointing always is hearing people argue about, you know, the larger brands in, uh, of cask beer instead of looking at the, you know, the ubiquitous lagers coming in from, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the sort of the, you know, the huge, the huge companies, the international brands that uh, why why aren't we looking at those instead of arguing as a kind of internal thing? It's just like party politics where, hmm. where each party argues with each other more vehemently than they would argue with their opponents. You know, it's just, it doesn't make sense. So to me, it's all, it's about protecting that category, not arguing within it, but protecting caste. And there are several reasons why I think that that is important. Um 
The first one is that it's the one beer uh, that is uh, that, uh, that on, on, on the bar, which is fresh and unpasteurized and has taken not just the skill of the original brewer, but that it's finished off being brewed in the cellar of the pub, making it to some extent Every, every pub has a local beer because, because the licensee has had a hand in that brewing process. It, it, he or she has finished it off. So, so to me, that's really, really important, that skill and all of that, which then gives something which is different. And it, it's different partly because it has um, uh, naturally produced CO2, which gives you that tingle on the tongue rather than a fizz. It doesn't have any injected gas in it. Yes, it might have some gas that helps it delivered, but it's not full of gas that's been pumped into it, um, which perhaps at the moment might be a big issue because of carbon, <laughs> the carbon dioxide shortage. But anyway, uh, but it doesn't have it um, added into it. Um, and you could serve it by direct gravity if you haven't got it on a handful. So it's still going to be available even in the shortages. Um, um, and, and I think that it does give it a completely different character. Um, you know, that the mouthfeel and all the rest of it is not the same. And, and it is um, unique to the on trade, and I'd add to beer festivals as well, where clearly you know that's uh, it, it can be put into, um, uh, yeah, into uh, tents or whatever, providing you've got the right facilities to keep it cool and all that kind of thing. But it takes real craft and skill to brew it, then to to keep it in the cellar, then to serve it well, and it's that that makes it so very special um it gives the sort of a, 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 a mouthfeel and flavor that is not replicable by all the other sort of forms of brewing um and it's unique to this country and actually we would be throwing the baby out with the bathwater if we let it go yeah um, and the problem is that the fewer um pubs that serve cast beer the less skills we have um uh, to look after it and the harder it is to to uh, to make sure that it's looked after properly and i think there's something about a kind of you know a virtuous circle that that needs to be re-established about looking after the beer and making it the centerpiece of your pub in the end it's just like if you go to a pub that has a, a clean loose you're much more likely to find that the kitchens are clean. If you go to a pub that serves good cast beer, it's more likely that the loo's are clean and that the kitchen is in good service because somebody cares about it. Mm. Um, so I think the whole thing about cask is that is that it can be not only an indicator in that thing, but it can also be the jewel in the crown, the thing that really establishes your reputation. And it might be that, that not everybody drinks it every time they go in there, but they still go to that pub because it serves good cast beer. Yep. You know, it, I think that that's the thing is people are changing the way they eat and drink, and and the um, and and the the fact that it's got great beer on the bar. You know that those handfuls are sat there, and that people can see and know that it's going to be perfect pint is an indicator of what kind of an establishment you run. Yeah. So, <laughs> coming back to your question, that's why it's important that cask ale is promoted, and cask ale week is just one vehicle. And of course, we always get back people saying. 
saying, oh, we don't celebrate car scale week because every day is car scale day for us. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Fine. Of course they can make it that. And that's the whole point is that really it's only about bringing attention to both the trade, the industry, and also to other people to just focus attention on and you know, communicate lots of the messages about why cask is so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I recently saw an article, um, it might have been in the morning advertiser, I can't remember exactly where I saw it, but it was about the decline of cask beer sales over the past couple of uh, years in particular, which has been accelerated by the effects of the pandemic and lockdown yeah. and pubs being closed and it's it's dec- it's just kind of plummeted. I mean, why, why do you think cask beer sales are suffering a kind of all-time low at the moment? And do, do you think there's much room for recovery, uh, particularly now that landlords are choosing keg beer, which has got, you know, a longer shelf life in many ways. It's easier to take care of. Well, not easier. It's less maintenance to take care of it, is what I should say. Um, and, you know, as I said earlier, it's increased massively in quality over the past few decades. Like, How, how much future is there for cask beer? Like, what, why is it suffering so badly? Um. I think it's suffering so badly because it has a three-day shelf life. So that's meant that when there have been various lockdowns which have been announced at the last minute, there's been more wastage. Mm. And that is has been really problematic. Um, and also, it, it you know, you, there have been companies that have successfully put it into um, vessels to take away, but really it's much harder to do that with yep. cars here. Um, and... And I think that um, that inevitably people look at um, the the profit that they can make from um, uh, from from keg beer, and at the moment there is a complete disconnect. At the moment, it's an utter it's, yep. it's an utter. I mean, so let's take if you buy freshly squeezed orange juice, you will pay more for that than you would if you bought. Um, or um, concentrate, the orange juice made from a concentrate in a pack that sat on the shelf for the last four months. Okay. If you bought freshly made soup that's chilled, you'd pay far more for that than a can of something that's been, again, in storage for the last year. If you bought a pizza that's made for you on the spot where people do the toppings and all the rest of it, you'll pay more for that than some packeted thing that's either delivered to you or you do whatever. It's, Of course you do. So why on earth are we paying less for cask beer, which is fresh? It's made on, if you like, made, finished on the spot in that cellar by people who know what they're doing and have taken skill and care in making sure that it's it's in good condition. Why and how is it that we've ended up in a position that that's cheaper than something that that lasts for, I don't know, six weeks or whatever it is? I, people will argue with that, please. I bet. Don't break <laughs> me too much on that. However long you can keep a keg for safely. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, it's, it's insane, ridiculous. isn't it? I am... Um, I remember this is several years back when I was still at Sheffield Brewery Company and um, I brewed my own brand of beers there, Emmanuel's, um, whilst at that brewery. Um, and I had a beer, it was 5%, I called it a transatlantic pale ale, basically. It was, it was like an American pale ale, basically, but with some British ingredients and some American. And um, in cask, if I remember rightly, I think it was about £70 plus VAT for a firkin. Um, but when I put it in a keg, a 30 litre keg, um, I'd sell it for about £82. 
And I remember someone saying to me, um, not in the beer industry, they were asking like, well, why is it more expensive in a keg if you're getting less literage? I was like, well, because it's fizzy and it's in a keg and I can charge more for it. And it's ridiculous, isn't it? Because it's like, like you say, cast beer is in some ways, that's that's the speciality product. That is the thing that, the, the time on a tradition that's special what, why this kind of leads on to the um, a question I was going to ask, like, you know, given that it is such a speciality product and, um, you know, you've got to have special training to, to handle it well in a cellar and stuff, like, why is it bought and sold at such a low price um, in comparison to, quote, unquote, craft kegs? And, and yeah. how can we, ta- as an industry, can we tackle yeah. this? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think, I mean, I think history plays the biggest hand in this, mm. um, and uh, um, and I think that that the the problem that the, uh, history and also I suppose which has then played into perceptions, and also I do think that pub companies and pubs have a part to play in this. I think that they haven't. Uh, looked at it and gone what is the thing that takes the most work and that has a short shelf life in any other and yet they they will also pubs will also be serving food so for example if you're serving uh i don't know a cheese board after the after the meal for somebody you wouldn't be serving that with something that's got um a three day a three day out of date stilton cheese on it or something as soon as it goes out of date you don't serve it anymore you have to be prepared to get a reputation for serving great food. You serve it fresh. Should be exactly the same with cask. You have to have it, to get a good reputation for serving cask, and to have any reputation at all. You shouldn't sell anything out of out of date. It almost should be illegal. Mm. You know, it's just like you should not do that because otherwise, it doesn't do any good for your pub, but it doesn't do any good for the brand. And all the brewers ought to be chasing after pubs who who are serving their beers at, like for longer than they're meant to be kept on the shelf. Going, please don't do that. You're our ambassadors. You can't. You shouldn't be serving our beer that when it's when it's not in perfect condition. Otherwise, people won't drink it again. And so. If you like, there's a pressure from the breweries, uh, but of course, and and then the pressure from the the pubs. But pubs ought to be looking to charge um, an amount of money for that beer that allows them, if they haven't sold their, what could you get out of a Firkins sixty nine pints, whatever sixty eight yep. pints out of your seventy two for it to be served in decent condition? If they can't sell that within their three, or if they've got a breather, possibly four or as push five days um if they can't sell it within that time they should throw it away and that's my view i'm not representing an industry when i said i'm going they should throw it away and they should be serving it at a price that allows them to do that because you do that with food you do it with anything else it's just it just doesn't make any sense that you'd keep on serving it mm. but the problem is that when nobody will pick up on that and go uh, and go this is the rule all they say is uh, well cut down the number of beers on your bar actually i don't agree with that i think that that's well Sorry, I, obviously I would agree with that if you've got 20 beers on and you can only, you know, and you can only serve three. But if you've got, say, uh, four pumps and your throughput doesn't, uh, doesn't um, actually 
um, merit you having four pumps on, then rather than going, oh, I'm going to cut down and only have two, what you should be doing is selling that all in great condition, throwing away the rest, but charging enough that you can afford to do that. Because then at least people know there's a choice when they come in. At least they know that you're there for the cast beer and that you care about it. Um, but 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 no good if you're going to then keep that Keep, keep that beer on and, and serve it beyond its its uh, sell-by date, yeah. beyond its shelf life. I, I guess I've got two questions off the back of that then. Uh, firstly, do you think that brewers should maybe package more beers into like pins, um, yeah. that's t- around 20 litres for um, anyone that's not in the UK, 36 pints, as, as one question. And I guess the second is, do, do you think then that part of the problem we have when it comes to pricing Caspi accordingly is because it's been treated historically for such a long time as a commodity item. So if you think about um, Caspi is in like the, you know, 70s and 80s and stuff, you know, you, you go down to the local pub and have a, a mild, I'm from Sheffield, so you come out the steelworks and have a, a few pints of mild and a bit, a few more bitters, and that's just maybe at lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Um, and it was just a, a quaffable drink that you, you didn't pay much for, you know, the working classes. And then, but whereas now, all of a sudden, we've got beers that are um, already, you know, charging a fairish amount. I use that term tentatively because I still don't think a lot of breweries charge what they should be doing for Caspia. But if you think about it, like a mosaic and citra and Columbus hops, pale ale, you know, there, there's some pricey hops going into a, a beer like that. Um, if well, and and, then and up, if you use if you use really good malt like Marisotta or well, yeah, exactly. Those, so yeah, or, or a heritage malt or something like that. Yes. Yeah. And then, um, you know, if, if a landlord's then pricing accordingly to throw it away, they might be charging, and again, I'm from up north, so maybe down south, this is like, you know, spare change in your pocket, but you might be charging like five or six pound a pint. Yeah. Like how 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 do you think we can overcome that price expectation for customers that are possibly used to paying £2.70, £3.60, mm. whatever for a pint? I think that you can have... So you might have some standard, some some uh, uh, like what they call a pricing ladder. So you might have some standard beers that are that are much cheaper than um, than than others. So to keep people coming back in the pub. Mm. But if you if you always had a beer that served at like I don't know whatever you say two seventy or three three pounds that isn't going to reflect all the ingredients and the care and love that's gone into all the other cask beers. That might be fine just as a kind of volume thing. And I think people are too frightened to go, uh, particularly licensing, they go, oh, everyone will drink that. Well, you know, if every, I don't believe it. I don't believe that everyone will choose the standard bit any more than that they, when they go in the supermarket, they all choose the same, you know, uh, whatever, white bread or whatever, you know, in a pack it just because it's a, a pound or 90p or whatever. And not everybody will do that. Some people will. And actually, of course, you want, if you want, well, you will want those drinkers to come back and give you your regular service. And they may always choose the cheapest. But, you know, one of the bits of research that was done in the cask report some time ago showed that people don't always go by price and often they don't even know what price they're paying. I'm not 
suggesting that that's always good but you know you know people go in for an experience uh, to the pub and that and that if it, it, that if they look at something and go actually I'd like that I don't know a uh, pint of Woodford's wherry at, uh, or uh, that pint of uh, something or other citra or whatever it is that you know an oakum citra or something like that that they really value they'll pay more for it and at least they've got an offering at a different price. But, but you know, they 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 might well, um, uh, you know, there might well be some some reaction against saying, "I've now my local has got a you know a pint of beer at six pounds a pint." Don't you remember when you know that first started happening and people were horrified at the idea of paying six pounds for two thirds of a pint in a you know some London posh whatever uh, yeah. you know place and people were horrified. But the thing is those 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 places didn't close down they still carried on serving them so there was obviously a market for that now i'm not suggesting that every brewer should be putting their prices up like that but what i am saying is that unless we value what is the jewel in the pub's crown and unless we really serve it at a price that makes it viable then Actually, people won't it won't give a living both to the brewer and the licensee, and gradually it will die unless we value yeah. it. And the problem about that, can I just add? Sorry, mm-hmm. Nick, just one more thing is that the problem about that is then it takes everybody into the take-home trade, and and cask is the one thing you can't get at home, yeah. and uh, you can't have it delivered to your door. You can't, you know, all the other stuff about it. So whereas you can get not every single other um, sort of craft beer, but 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 you can get a lot of that delivered to your door and pubs need to have things that make them different. The first the most important thing is their atmosphere. And uh, and the, again, cast report showed all that, that people uh, go to the pub for the atmosphere, for the companionability, the social thing and all the rest of it. And second, they go in for a cask beer or something that's different that they cannot get at home just like when i go to the pub i would not only choose it for its cast beer i also want food that i wouldn't bother to prepare myself at home i don't want something i can get at home i want something different and that's the same with my beer and actually i don't even want the same wines that i can buy at the supermarket because i don't want to be forced to think oh i could have got that for for (laughs) five pounds sixty and aldi or whatever I, i don't want that i want something different that i can't get at the supermarket and it's absolutely so with my beers. I want to get something that I cannot go and 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 pick up and put in a trolley. It's a different experience. And, well, I, I um, guess you're paying for the experience, aren't you, as much as anything? Precisely. And the experience is all part of the service as well. Actually, I also don't want something that, that like, I really hated it when it was table-only service. I want to be able to see what's behind the bar and interact with the person working there. I want to be able to have a chat and say hello to them and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, so I, you know, that's, it's, it is all part of the experience. And yeah. I think there's something very lovely about that. You know, people, people from all over the world come to the British pub because it's different. Countries all over the world have, have places where you can buy alcohol and that, and that have a sort of like a, a, a pub type or cafe restaurant type atmosphere but none of them universally have this hand pull experience with cask ale on, mm. and it's that that makes us so different. And actually, if you look at the um, the stats for um, on trade and off trade, um, 
Um, now, off-trade beer sales, and particularly, obviously, during the last year or so, have just rocketed up over and above on-trade sales. But if we want to preserve our pubs, we need things that make them special. Yeah. And it's that, and we need to keep driving people, driving footfall, so that so that they they remain as that kind of iconic. Uh, British establishment with uh, with that sense of community and all the th- and and actually the sort of leveling of people so that you know it, it so that we're all in there with people from um, from every background uh, from you know from from every walk of life even you know including those who don't drink alcohol you know the pub is still a sanctuary for for them as well and now with all these exciting non-alcoholic beers. Uh, coming through including some cask ones you know again taking a bit more time to to get to that but but you know that there's there's something for everyone yeah absolutely oh what what do you think breweries pubs and consumers can do to save this time on a tradition i mean my first thought was as you were talking about for pubs in particular it would be helpful for pubs to try and educate their customers why cask beer is important why things are at a price point they are just to give a, a real life example um there's a pub that's newly opened in the village um where my mother-in-law lives it was an everard pub it never did very well it closed down and then um a community group bought it and they've refurbished the whole thing and it's a- absolutely fantastic now but um my mother-in-law looked at the beer price and was like five pounds for a craft beer mm. and i'm mm. like it's pretty standard, really, to be honest with you. But, you know, she was like amazed. Who's going to pay £5 in this village for a beer? You know, so it's obviously that mindset is is there. So w- what do you think breweries, pubs and consumers can do to to save cask beer in particular and um, and to move on from getting stuck in the mud in those old ways of thinking? Gosh, as I, I think one of the things that one of the things that we don't communicate enough is about the freshness of the product, and we've we've started calling it pub fresh, right? Um, because because like there's nothing else that's pub fresh in the same way, um, I, I, and I think to the, the the sort of the valuing of the fact that it supports the whole supply chain, so barley that's not only grown in this country but also malted in this country um and so the main ingredients which if you like it it lowers the number of hgv miles because because it's all in this country and it doesn't have to be imported all of that's really important um i think the aspect about sustainability which Crikey, in this year of COP, we should absolutely be focusing on. Um, I think that it's really important that people understand that when they buy bottles or cans or plastic containers of anything, any drink, whether it's beer or anything else, that they are contributing to the most terrible devastation across the world, of uh, including use of fossil fuels to extract whether it's the uh, the aluminium or the um, um, or, or, or using fossil fuels for the creation of glass, because not everything is recycled. Well, um, and even if it is recycled, 
there's still a, a processing co cost to the earth in doing that. Um, so, uh, so and, and in this country, we actually have quite a poor record in recycling glass and aluminium. Um, so when they go out and buy all that stuff at the supermarket, sorry, but however good they are about putting things in the right bin, there's still a huge cost, uh, uh, environmental cost associated with it. When you go down to the pub, you go and you have a, 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 a pint of cask, that container might last 30 years. So it goes backwards and forwards, it's washed out. Um, it might be refurbished even, but it's, it's washed out and, and, and looked after. And you, that container is used over and over and over again. And you're in a communal place where, where the, if you like, the, because of the brewing process finishing there, there's, there's, a, um, there's such an environmental advantage to it. You're not extracting and taking gas to add to the beer either, you know, because so, it's all naturally produced. The yeast and the sugar mm. make carbon dioxide and alcohol. So, so it's all natural. All that slight tingle on the tongue is naturally there. So let's talk to people about it. Um, and there have been various debates in the industry about that, again, written and spoken of much more eloquently than I will ever manage. But what I would say is that, while there's a, a, a you know a big thing of like we have to make all language accessible uh, it's too difficult to explain to people about that it's got live yeast in it and all the rest of it actually i think it's only by starting off educating both licensees and bar staff um and you know a broader public who are interested in beer you know camera members and everybody about the virtues of all of those things that gradually you'll get the message through to a to a broader consumer base. And sure, there's always going to be people who don't mind wasting the earth's resources and who don't care about all of that and 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 you know and all the rest of it. But but let's take them towards communal drinking in a sociable environment in the pub for every reason you know about uh, about enjoyment and all the rest of it but let's add on to that that environmental argument yeah amazing well i certainly want to see pubs still here serving cast beer in 100 years time well i mean well thanks for being on the the podcast to talk about cast beer I, it's a topic i kind of periodically come back to again and again because I, I think it's really important and there is nothing like going to the pub and i've really really missed it over the last 18 months and I went recently with my family for the first time since we came out of lockdown, whenever that was, it's all kind of gone into a big blur. And it was just like the most fantastic, you know, couple of hours to spend there, you know, um, playing games with the kids and having a couple of beers and, and all the rest of it. So I guess one last question, how, how can people join in Cast Ale Week? So one of, the, one of the first things they can do is download the Cask Finder app um, and you'll find it's got all sorts of fantastic information on it, about beer tasting notes and all that kind of thing. And, and it's got a lot about pubs and all the rest of it. It's got over, around 10,000 pubs on it. And if you join in and establish yourself for the world's biggest ale trail, it's all free. Join in with that. And then every time you go to a, to a pub that's cast mug accredited, which is, uh, as I say, around 10,000 pubs, you scan the um, uh, the QR code, and then you you, uh, you end up 
amassing points so that you can win various things. But if you do it for Carscale Week, there's extra incentives on there. So I think you have to go to 12 pubs or something and 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 you can you can get your points and then you get a t-shirt. But there's all sorts of other incentives on there. And different breweries are putting in their own different trails on there as well, where you can get different prizes and all that kind of thing. But in any case, actually it's a great record for you for looking back on the pubs that you've been to. And I, I just say we've just reached the one million um, uh, uh, scans, which means that the world's biggest ale trail has generated a million pub visits, which wow. is uh, which that's quite an impressive yeah. feat, isn't it? And I think like they, all, and there's there's I think there's several ale trailers, possibly ten or twenty, who have visited over four thousand pubs. Can you believe it? I mean, I find that absolutely amazing but you don't have to visit that many to be part of it you can just do a few but it, it just it keeps you that nice record and it gives you the chance to give feedback and all the rest of it so so do join in that way but also look on the Carscale Week website and uh, you'll find that there and on and on the social media channels with Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook and you'll find that there is loads going on we've got everything from beer festivals um Stockport beer week we've got um uh, big mashups we've got people doing talks we've got uh, meet the brewer nights there's pub quizzes there is so much going on but just support it just go in and make it your ambition during the next week to whatever you do go to the pub and drink some cast beer take some friends and introduce them people who have said to you they don't like beer go and show them how to like it do a tasting session with them you know make sure that they get to try several of them tell the pub what you're doing just engage in it all if people want to contact you about anything can they follow you on twitter or linkedin or anything like that how how could people uh find out more about what you do yeah sure um so basically just um uh, um look up look up red flame communications um uh um uh, for um contact or else um and um, on uh twitter i'm just at francis brace and on and linkedin you'll find me in francis brace as well well francis thank you for being on the show and listeners you know what to do turn this podcast off now we've ended and head down to your local pub well, it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot 4 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. We make your beer look as good as it tastes and we help you brew up a better business through branding, marketing and consultancy. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers and for another week. Cheers.